Buddhist Geeks. Seriously Buddhist. Seriously Geeky. Episode 53. Virtual Zen. Dropping here and there. Jundo Cohen, abbot of the almost completely virtual tree leaf Zindo, joins us today to discuss the nature of running a virtual Sangha. We discuss the benefits and limitations of doing so, all the while learning about his groundbreaking endeavor. This episode of Buddhist Geeks is sponsored by the Do No Harm Movement. To learn more about the Do No Harm Movement and to receive your free Do No Harm bumper sticker and wristband, please visit donoharm.us. I'm here today with my brother in the Dharma, Ryan Olke. Hello. And I'm also here today with Jundo Cohen, who is... Hey, Vince. Hey, good to hear from you. Uh, we're talking to him. He's in Florida right now. Usually can find him in Japan, but he's been staying in Florida for the past few months. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So we kind of go back and forth, but now we're, we're going back to Japan for good. Nice. And uh, Jundo is a unique teacher in that he founded this this, I guess you'd call it a school, uh, the Tree Leaf Zendo, so a place where people come to practice and study together. And Tree Leaf Zendo is interesting in that it's it's completely non-local, or almost completely non-local. You were saying earlier that 90% of the people that uh, that practice with you actually do it from different countries around the world. Yeah, we're really big in Finland for some reason. I picked up uh, <laughs> several people there, apparently because it's so cold and they're up there and there are no uh, very few teachers up there. So we have several people sitting there. We have one guy who's an engineer in Mexico. He's a mining engineer, and uh, he's stuck in the mountains by himself, so he sits with us. Nice. And some people in Australia and China and different places. How many people would you say are in your community? Well, you know, it's, we, we have a really active group. I would say about 30 to 50 people, but we have about 100 and 120 people, I'd say, who tune in with us and sit with us at least once a week or so now. Okay. And just a little bit more about your background before we go in. You're, you're a student of Nishijima Roshi, who's... Also, uh, a teacher of uh, Brad Warner, who we've interviewed here on Buddhist Geeks. So you're That's right. kind of in the same line there. And uh, also mentioned that people can find out more about your, about your work at treeleaf.org and also your blog, which you said is a bit more active. And that's treeleafzen.blogspot.com and treeleafzen's all one word. Yeah, where I do the daily Zazen uh, sittings, I, 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 I do a daily Zazen sitting. I vowed to do it for nine years for people who are uh, basically homebound. And we do it there on uh, every day, rain or shine, at uh, treeleafzen.blogspot.org. Uh, sorry about blogspot.com, man. When did that start, that nine-year commitment? Yeah, well, it doesn't really matter when it starts, or it doesn't really matter when it finished. But we've been doing it now for about uh, nine months, and nice. uh, rain or shine... And I, even when um, life takes me to some strange locale or I've done it from a hospital emergency room mm. and uh, I've done it from a McDonald's because they have a great internet connection there. And uh, <laughs> most of the time though, I just uh, sit on the Zafu and uh, do it from either Japan or when we're here in Florida, I do it from here. So how does that actually work? Do you, on the blog, do you kind of make a post each morning or how does, how does that work? Yeah, I do uh, like a three or five minute talk. I usually talk about, uh, for example, Dogen Shobogenzo or somebody writes me a question on Buddhist practice. I answer that. Or sometimes I just talk about the soup I burned in the kitchen that morning. And then after, uh, that's a great chance. You know, burning things in the kitchen is a great opportunity for practice. Then we just sit for 25 minutes 
And some people actually sit with the video because uh, I, I ring the bell at the beginning and then there's nothing happens for 25 minutes and then I ring the bell at the end and we're done. But mm. other people uh, just use it uh, kind of symbolically and, uh, and uh, they just uh, sit by themselves knowing that I'm sitting there with them. Mm. And you're using technology in some really interesting ways, not only with the blog, but also experimenting with different things like online video and audio netcasting. And recently you've been doing some non-local retreats as well, where you actually do a full day retreat and also planning a full week-long retreat. So I was wondering if you could share a little bit more about some of those things that you're experimenting with and also what you're finding with those kind of things. Well, first off, we found is uh, I am trying to run a sangha in the same way as if it was in a bricks and uh, wood building down the street that people can drop in at any time. And I found that there's really very little I can't do online compared to uh, a place where people drop in in person. So one of the things was the retreat. We did the one-day retreat, and we did everything from the opening ceremony. We did the orioki, the formal eating. We did samu. Uh, which is work practice, gave some talks, and uh, it turned out great. So far, uh, actually, on the day we did it, we had 35 people sitting live in, um, I think it was 18 countries. Hmm. And uh, after that, we actually had uh, a couple of dozen people who sat on later days because it was recorded. And as I'm talking to you right now, I believe there were two people doing the retreat as I'm speaking to you. So they're taking the recorded retreat and actually sitting along with it. Yeah, that's right. That's interesting. That's right. I like to say, you know, if you drop from mind all thoughts of here and there and now and then, then we're all together. Well, this is an interesting question. Um, so I wrote a, a series of posts called Buddha Dharma 2.0 to talk about this technology use in, in Buddhist practice. And some people brought up an issue of like, maybe there's something that's lost and maybe a transmission of sorts um, being face to face. So I was wondering, actually, you said there's a little that you couldn't do. And um, I was wondering, one, maybe if you could speak to, you know, the challenge about there's uh, something missing in transmission and also what can't you do or is there, is there anything that you can't do? Well, uh, I'll tell you what I, I can do. And one of the things I found is that uh, we have a, a forum that um, we have people who participate in very actively and people will open up in writing to each other. Uh, in ways I think that uh, they don't even do in person if you show up for your typical Zazen meeting mm -hmm. once a week and you listen to a talk and you sit Zazen and you go home, the actual chance for interaction uh, is limited. But we have people talking to each other about real life issues and giving, mm -hmm. we have some very experienced people, people who've been sitting Zazen for 10 years or more, and they give each other pointers. Uh, one guy in California will help the guy in Germany. Uh, who's having trouble with his legs falling asleep. And the guy in uh, China will uh, talk about his life, something that happened to him and uh, to the rest of us. I found that the level of personal interaction through our forum lets me get to know these people. I don't think I've ever known anyone as well as I know some of these people, and I've never met them. Mm. It's been really lovely. The one thing we can't do is, uh, and I, I, I think they're going to invent the technology someday, is I cannot reach out and adjust someone's sitting position. <laughs> uh, I tried to do it on camera. That doesn't work. And that has to be done in person. But other than that, I can name one thing that we're missing. Do you have the one-on-one the -on -one student, you know, teacher uh, interactions? And I can't remember the name. Is it Doku-san? Yes. I meet uh, with people once a week over Skype video. 
Oh, nice. And I, and I tell neat. you, you can look someone right in the eyes by Skype. And we sit, there's privacy, we sit, we chat. I have people who talk to me every week, talk to me about their practice, talk to me about whatever is going on with them. And I, I have really found that you can look at someone through a camera image as well as I can look through my own eyes. I mean, you know, face it, all, all the people we know are a virtual image in our brain. Mm-hmm. That's just light point. passing yeah. through our eyes. Right. And uh, this, this makes no difference. Mm. That's an interesting point, and it, it begs the question, as technology continues to become more and more realistic, is there really going to be a difference? And what I'm hearing you say is not really. <laughs> there already isn't much of a difference. Right. Well, once, a, once in a while, I wish I could give people a hug, but other than yeah. that, uh, that's the only uh, limitation so far. Yeah. Mm. Great. So it seems like you've already touched on some of the benefits of using these technologies, but I was wondering what are some of the other benefits? I mean, obviously, well, having people from all over the world, that just can't happen in normal sanghas. Well, actually, our purpose in doing this was very much uh, focused on people who are homebound. Mm. Uh, there were two groups of people I was reaching out to. One was uh, there are people living in isolated areas that don't have a local sangha. Because I still think if you have a place down the street, you can go, and if uh, you're, you're feeling uh, comfortable with the teachings and the teacher, that's where you should be going. You're more than welcome to sit with us, too, as a supplement, but uh, it's always good to, to go to an actual sangha. I'm not trying to take people away from that. Right. But I was reaching out, uh, too, to uh, homebound people. We have a lot of people with illness, and I, for example, started this because I had to go between Japan and Florida when my mother had cancer. And it was really hard to be away. And I found that there were people out there who would be away from a place where there was an actual sangha they can go to. And then I noticed uh, the actual sanghas where I were teaching. I was teaching at a, at a, at a standard sangha with a, in a building. And some of the elderly, more elderly members got to the point they didn't drive and they couldn't leave the house. Mm. And they stopped coming and we couldn't reach out to them. So this was a chance to touch those people. Mm, that's a great point. I hadn't really thought of that before. Yeah. But even uh, some of the, you know, our, our age group are, you know, we have people in their 20s and, and up. And uh, even some of those people, uh, for various reasons, cannot get even just work. You know, people in their 20s are working so hard in the office sometimes that they just can't get to a place to sit so they can sit with us anytime. Yeah, that's that's a great point that somehow younger people would probably be attracted to what you're doing simply because of the technology you're using and because they're familiar with it. I certainly, when I found out about what you're doing, I thought it was really fascinating. And I could see if the communities that I was practicing in had something like that, that I would probably be involved in a heartbeat. Same here. I was just, I'm looking at the the blog now and looking at the comments and the participation, but, and I'm excited that I would totally dig my community had something like this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you get a chance, look over to our, our forum too, because that's where people really get down talking to each other. Uh, we got a, uh, you know, we got the book club, and you know, all the standard things you'd find in the sangha. But we get people every day just post on subjects and talk about a million different things, and uh, it surprised me how fast uh, people got to know each other. Mm. So here's a here's a little bit of a geeky question: What kind of technologies are you using? Uh, do you have a MacBook? I I suspect. Or do you have no, a, a PC with a I webcam? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a confess I'm a Windows guy with a little $30 web camera. Hey, if um, it works. It works. But uh, we use a system called Operator 11, 
which allows anyone to uh, basically uh, make their own television program, which can be viewed live or recorded every day. And it's a little different from YouTube because, uh, you know, you don't have to upload anything. You just turn the camera on and you make your show and you're done. And uh, then we use Ustream, as you mentioned, for the live retreat mm-hmm. broadcast because basically there's no limit on the number of people who can watch live for that. Plus, you can record it, too, for later viewing. So it, was, it worked out really good. Yeah, it seems like only in the past few years have the video technologies really started to get to the point where these sorts of uh, experiments and these sorts of projects are possible. I mean, certainly our show is an example of that, where five years ago, there's no way this, this kind of show could have existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by the way, you guys, uh, I, I want to compliment you too, because I think you, you're trying to reach out to people who, uh, who need to hear from you. And uh, we're all trying to do the same kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, the, the technology I'm using, I don't think was there a year ago. Right. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Well, it's, it's going to be exciting in the, uh, in the years to come to see what kinds of things that you do and also what kinds of things emerge in the, the greater Udo technosphere, <laughs> I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we'll all be sitting as holograms real soon. I know that. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's an interesting point. I was, mm. I'm really into some, some of the work of uh, some of the transhumanists like Ray Kurzweil and you know, they have some predictions that virtual reality isn't as far off as we as we think. You know, full virtual reality where everything is completely realistic. And uh, hey, man, the universe is virtual reality. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. But I, I was thinking it'd be kind of neat to just kind of walk into this virtual Zen center, and you know, it's aesthetically you know, maybe like an old Japanese Zen center. You know, mm-hmm. like. You could design basically the the scenery and the design the mm. the whole thing. I wonder, have you considered how the design of these technologies will impact the students? Mm. Well, one of the things is I, I can't just turn on the camera and sit zazen or uh, record myself giving a talk to some people and load it up on YouTube. I really have to, uh, I guess you would say, reach out through the camera or work with the camera. I'm kind of a try to be a cross between the Zen teacher and David Letterman because <laughs> I got I got to talk to the people and really pull them in and bring them in. So for example, when I did the retreat, instead of me just pictures of me sitting, uh, giving a talk, I mean, we were working with the people through the camera as if they were sitting at the other end of the table and really talking to them and pulling them into what was going on. How easy is it to get the community members connected with the technology? I mean, are, are most of the students using it? already familiar with technology i see you i just checked out the forums and a lot of participation there so i'm wondering how easy it was to get people to start participating in this more especially oh, the people yeah. who aren't necessarily uh homebound you know yeah it's uh basically uh, if they're familiar with a computer at all or youtube or anything like that it's just click 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 and mm-hmm. you can get them going yeah cool that's great and do you offer regular kind of introductory teachings uh, for people that are kind of new to to zen practice we, we don't have a formal introductory course yet, but, uh, for example, one of the things we're going to be doing is next year having study for an online Jukai uh, receiving the precept ceremony. Ah, okay. And I, I'm going to do everything you do with a standard a Jukai. We're going to have a class, and we're going to meet and study each of the precepts, and then we're going to have a discussion group and talk about it. We're going to sew, sew our Rakasu online. Uh, I have a teacher who's an expert in uh, Rakasu sewing and Kessa sewing, and he's going to give us lessons, and we're going to sew... Arakasu, and then I'm going to do the ceremony online. 
with anyone who wants to receive Juca. I think it's the first time in universal history that's ever been done, as far as I, I, I've been told. Yeah, um, I bet so. The only thing I can't figure, there's one part of the ceremony you're supposed to sprinkle some water on the student, and I can't figure out how to do that online yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet in a couple months there's going to be some sort of program that web program that allows that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh. I was just going to ask, is there, is there anything else that you guys are, are doing that you're, that you're really excited about or any things in the, uh, in the future that you're preparing for besides the, the Jukai ceremony that you're, that you're getting excited about? Well, my whole lineage is about people with jobs, with families who are living out in the world. And you can learn as much through your practice. You don't have to be in a monastery. You have to be dealing with your wife and your, your kids, changing diapers, uh, dealing with a boss at work who's driving you crazy, being stuck in traffic. This is where we do our, our practice. So we're trying to break down the, lo- the whole barrier between a monastic practice and you have to be in a, in a monastic setting and practicing at home. For example, the people who did our retreat, they did it at home. Mm. They said that uh, it was a great opportunity. One guy said, I never studied, looked at my carpet so closely before <laughs> as I did during your retreat. So this is, this is where we're placing our emphasis. You don't have to get up and go to a Zen center. You can do this in your life, where you're living, where you're standing and uh, right here and now. Hmm. That's great. It sounds like you're also breaking down the barriers of uh, in-person and, and non-local in terms of oh, how you're doing this. And I think it's great. You just drop from mind the words here and there and now and then and you and me. And then where's the problem? great well is there anything else you'd like to add i figured we could probably wrap it up here well just uh if anybody knows somebody who uh could uh because they're isolated or they can't get to a regular sitting please do introduce them to us Mm. we're very warm and welcoming our practice is just sitting shikantaza it's very hard we're not doing koan study Mm-hmm. We're not doing other types of meditation. We are uh, focused on Dogen Zenji, Shishobo Gendo, and just sitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if that's the kind of sangha that appeals to someone, uh, please, the more the merrier. Nice. And that's, again, your website's... TrueLeaveZen.blogspot.com Great. Yeah, thank you so much for, for joining us. And uh, I'll just mention that we actually are talking over Skype right now. We're using technology that, that you've been using to mm-hmm. conduct your sangha in the same way for this show. And it's it's a great coming together, and I really appreciate your support. And uh, yeah, you uh, Buddhist geeks, you should go into a video too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, we're we're considering it. Although I'm not sure how many people want to see Ryan and I sit around and talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much, Jindo, and best of luck with everything in the future. All right, man. Peace. Join us for the fourth annual Buddhist Geeks Conference, hosted in partnership with Mindful Cyborgs and Shambhala Sun from October 16th through the 19th in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. This year's conference will be exploring the convergence of Buddhism with modern culture and technology through informative keynote presentations, idea-packed TED-style talks, self-organizing community dialogues, and contemplative workshops and practice periods. This year's list of presenters includes the world's most quantified man, Chris Dancy, 
abbot of the village Zendo in New York City, Roshi Pat Enkyo O'Hara, and pragmatic Dharma provocateur Daniel Ingram, as well as many others. For more information and to register, visit BuddhistGeeks.com slash conference. After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice. You can find out more about the Buddhist Geeks Network by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. And if you'd like to join the community and join us in regular social meditation practice or other events that we host there in the network, all freely offered, you're very welcome to do so, again, by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. Love to see you there.